0: Today, on Ag News Daily.
1: The person that got me interested
0: in PAS is Cassie Hutchick, and she was a junior when I was a freshman. Listeners, here we are, our Friday edition of Ag News Daily podcast, March 17th, 2023. Going to grab some headlines and share those with you before another awesome conversation. Do you ready to go?
2: I am, Tanner, but I wanted to ask you, did you fill out a bracket? And if so, how's it doing after the first round of games?
0: Uh, Yeah, I have multiple brackets filled out, and I have not looked at them. Uh, I know that I had Virginia picked in a couple of them. Uh, I know I did not have Missouri You know, a couple of them. Um, So I also had the Hawkeyes picked, unfortunately. I just was a couple of my brackets were Team Iowa. I had Drake, Iowa, and Iowa State all winning first round. and The Hawkeyes kind of let me down last night.
2: I know. It was a disappointing game. My bracket is already busted. My winning team is still in for now, but who knows?
0: Are they still in because they haven't played yet?
2: No, they've won (laughs) the first round.
0: Oh, there you go. That's good. Yeah, I wonder how many of our listeners filled their brackets out, and if they are part of the less than eight percent that are still intact.
2: Oh, just eight percent, huh?
0: That's all it took was one day to knock out almost ninety-two percent of the country.
2: That's for why perfect it's such brackets. A, that's why it's so fun because you never know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, one of my one of my friends had his four year old pick his brackets by showing her <laughs> the mascots or the logos. <laughs> Um, and he has Kansas State, which Kansas State winning, which I think she referred to as the Purple Huskers.
2: <laughs> all right, I like it. That's one yeah. way of doing it.
0: Well, our friends in Minnesota and Wisconsin are probably going to have plenty of opportunity to stay inside and watch basketball all weekend. They're still under a winter weather warning. Northern and Midwestern portions of the U.S. have this advisory that will remain in effect until tomorrow at 7 a.m. Wisconsin is expected to get another three to seven inches of snow, though up to 13 inches are forecasted for some counties. I know I got a lot of friends and family that love headed up there to Snowmobile, and they might be able to get one last trip in. Minnesota could see another one to six. Of course, we're still battling wind. That's what we've got here in Iowa right now is cold and blowing.
2: Yes, it was very cold and blowy last night, Tanner. I was thinking it might be another mini derecho, it felt like.
0: (laughs) There was a time where my wife made a comment about asking if our house was going to blow over. Um, But yes, that was pretty severe. Also have a quick Silicon Valley Bank update. The parent company, SVB Financial Group, filed for bankruptcy yesterday. SBB Financial Group, the former parent company of Silicon Valley Bank, which was seized by regulators a week ago, filed for bankruptcy uh, as of this morning, actually. This move will place their assets into a court-led process as Silicon Valley Bank looks to auction off all of its units and assets to return deposits back to their members. So a continued fallout there. Uh, SVB Financial owns other companies that are excluded from this bankruptcy filing. They've got a fund management and uh, I believe a investment arm for securities. So a capital SVP capital and SVP Securities. So uh, we will continue to keep our eyes on that for the listeners.
2: Well, Tanner, one thing I'm keeping an eye on this morning is both of two out of the three Iowa Carbon pipelines have made the headlines here. An attorney for Wolf Carbon Solutions, which is the third one we really haven't touched on a whole lot, told state regulators on Tuesday, it was unclear whether the company is on track to start construction of their carbon pipeline in the second quarter of 2024, when they had originally planned to start. They said it's too early to be able to tell when we would like to schedule their hearing, They have to file a hazardous liquid pipeline permit with the Iowa Utilities Board, which they did back in February. And then following that, they have to have a hearing where folks from the public are able to come forward and share their thoughts. And so that's the stage we are at now with the Summit Carbon Pipeline. Tanner, as they announced this week, yesterday, that the initial permit hearing for Summit Carbon Solutions has been set and it's during harvest season despite farmers' objections. A lot of folks are suggesting maybe they picked harvest season on purpose because these hearings will be about three weeks long and farmers may not be willing to step out of the fields to come into the hearings and share their concerns, Tanner. So, That is the latest news we have here on the carbon pipeline front. But the hearings, I believe, will start October 23rd, so right during the heart of harvest season.
0: That's correct. And the Iowa Utility Board is the entity that selected those dates. It did not and was not selected by either parties from farmers to the pipeline company. But yes, plenty of opposition there. I'm sure we will continue to get some feedback. The director of that board did say in a quote that they do not expect those dates to change. If anything were to change, it would do to conflict with Ford and not for either one of the parties involved. We did get our barometer from Creighton University for agriculture. The economic growth is stalling out in rural America, according to the Rural Main Street Index that Creighton puts out on a monthly basis. After three straight months of reading slightly above growth neutral, which again is the number 50 on a 0-200 scale, March dropped to a 45.6. This is representing the first time in 2023 where this figure fell below growth growth neutral and uh, only a couple of months in 2022. But probably the cause for more concern is the Slow and no-go negative economic growth area is now being reported that less than 1% of bankers that responded to this survey said the economic conditions were improving. 92% though stated that it was unchanged from February, Uh, but the sentiment is certainly slanting the other direction. The farmland price index still remained above growth neutral at a 63 score. This is the 30th straight month that farmland values have maintained above the 50 on the scoreboard. After looking at 9% of growth in 2022, bankers are only expecting a 1% value growth in the next 12 months. Other key items that we saw here, 13.6% of bankers said that their lending standards became a little bit tighter this year. Bankers were all unanimously reported saying that deposit amounts were on the rise and at record levels. Nearly 90% of bankers stated that they expected the Federal Reserve to rate, to increase rates at their next meeting by 50 points. So from the ag lending side of things, Delaney, we're still seeing an expectation for the Fed to increase their rates. The slowing economy, though, And higher borrowing costs, as well as labor shortages, are the continued focuses of the confidence index weakening. Stating here that borrowing costs are coming in at a 39, so well below the 50, which would make sense because interest rates are more than double than they were at this time last year. And labor shortages coming in at a 44, so a negative trend there as well. So not a lot of great news coming out of the barometer this month, Delaney.
2: No, and not some great news when you look at a couple Tyson facilities that have laid off nearly 1,700 workers, Tanner. Tyson Foods on Monday announced it will be closing two of their poultry processing facilities, broiler and hatching operations in Glen Allen, Virginia, as well as Van Buren, Arkansas, which will result in the loss of nearly 1,700 workers. In an email, the company's spokesperson said the goal of the closure was to, quote, strengthen poultry business by optimizing operations and utilizing the full available capacity at each plant. However, a lot of folks are saying it seems a little suspicious because just earlier this year they, or excuse me, end of last year, they announced uh, their intentions to construct a new $300 million plant in Danville, Virginia, which is in the same county as Glen Allen, where one of the facilities was just shut down. Tyson said to Wall Street Journal that they were very aware of all of the workers that were going to be without jobs now and had offered uh, some of them relocation stipends as well as jobs at other facilities. But sometimes that's just not realistic for some folks. The United Food and Commercial Workers Local 400, which is a union that represents nearly 700 Virginia employees announced uh, in their statement that the company provided the union with no forewarning about the closure. And they, the union, were very concerned that Tyson was doing this on uh, not good faith, Tanner. So a lot of folks without jobs there, potentially some that could relocate, but who knows?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't seen that headline, so I'm glad that you covered it. Our U.S. Ag Secretary, Tom Vilsack, was lobbying for farmers yesterday in front of the Ag Committee. Vilsack testified before the Senate Agricultural Committee on the Farm Bill and USDA programs. The hearing had plenty of moments of contention between both parties. Vilsack sparred with senators from both sides of the aisle. Early on, Senator John Boozman of Arkansas. Stated that Bill Sack and his team had been slow to respond to committee requests for information, including bipartisan letters and requests. Said the lack of responsiveness has been disappointing and almost lazy. After acknowledging that the farm bill was not going to be an easy task, Bill Sack said his staff will provide timely responses as long as the requests are targeted and not a laundry list of things that could be considered a fishing expedition. More comments back and forth uh, were shared, but there was a consensus, Delaney, that they're looking at addressing the risks in agriculture and want to make sure small farms and large farms are equally represented. Usman noted that 89% of the farms nationally are classified as small, they only generate 18% of the farm's total farm production for the United States. The top 3.2% of farms are considered large and cover nearly half of the farming production in the United States. However, as Vilsack stated, all farms are valuable and this farm bill will need not to neglect small or punish the large. So there's a lot of discussions going forth with this Delaney, but Vilsack continued to lobby saying that we need both. We clearly need the production. There's no question about that. But we all still have to spend a lot of time focusing on producers of all sizes so that way we can continue to support the backbone of America. So it was quite interesting to see here, as you dive much deeper into the article, the points of contention. But it seems like Bill Vilsack still has our listeners' best interest at hand.
2: What, China? Let me pick that up. Well, Russia on Friday once again echoed comments that they were only going to be extending the Black Sea grain deal for 60 days, echoing their previous statement by the Russian foreign ministry. The deal to, of course, unblock Ukrainian grain exports from the Black Sea has been continuously ongoing here, brokered by Turkey and the United Nations. And Ukraine has been very... um, aggressive in trying to get 120 day terms but it seems Tanner like neither party is budging so for now we have really no new news other than to say Russia continues to say 60 days is all they'll go
0: yeah that uh, was not positive well hopefully we can get some more things worked out there as well of course we're continuing to watch weather patterns and the crop growing conditions in Brazil uh, obviously, things are pointing right now to a growing season that might turn off a little bit drier. Delaney, did that news have any more effect on the markets? How did things look coming out of the overnight?
2: Well, as we head out of the overnight here into the opening bell, they're loading. It does look like we've seen a little bit of a positive push here on this Friday morning. May corn up four cents in the overnight will open at seven thirty-six and three quarters. New crop corn up a penny and three quarters will open at 560 and a quarter. At the opening bell here, November, new crop soybeans up two and a half cents to open at 1327. In the May, hard red winter wheat contract will open five and a half cents higher at 825 and a quarter. Now, livestock today will see the cattle on feed number coming out after market close today, and a lot of expectations are once again expecting to see. Fewer cattle numbers on feed and lighter placements, which should be fairly bullish for our cattle markets. But heading into opening session here today, April live cattle will open at a buck sixty two thirty five. April feeders at $1.95.15, and April lean hogs will open here this morning after a limit down move yesterday at seventy nine forty five. Tanner, without further ado, we're kicking it over to a conversation. Our intern Jennifer grabbed at PAS convention.
0: Where do you search when you're in the market to buy farm equipment? For 45 years, FastLine Marketing Group has served the farming community with quality farm equipment listings for tractors, combines, hay and forage equipment, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Check out FastLine.com for availability on all your favorite makes and models of equipment. And if you're an equipment dealer, put FastLine's industry-leading social media following and marketing expertise to work for you. Fastline Marketing Group is the farmer resource and marketing partner of choice in the agriculture industry.
3: National PAS Conference is this week and with me right now is Abby Wing, a competitor from Iowa State University. Abby, could you explain what PAS is?
1: So, PAS is an organization that's led by students that allows for students to build um, their career readiness skills that they will end up using in their workplace. Um, so, for example, I am competing in the Agriculture Education Program competition. In this competition, I created a lesson plan that I would be teaching to future students. Um, and this was a full lesson plan with like an attention getter, um, objectives, assessments, materials, all of, all of the things. And in and this allows for me to practice what it would be like to be a teacher. Um, And there's also like agronomy specialists where students are able to be in the shoes of agronomists and give farmers advice of what they should do for their field, Um, identify what this crop is, what this disease is. And it's just a great way for students to demonstrate what they've been learning in the classroom. Also information from outside of the classroom and then kind of test their knowledge and see where am I at with this? Am I understanding what I'm learning in class? Am I able to apply the skills into real life scenarios? And that's why PAS is a very beneficial organization for students to be in.
3: Yeah, it definitely is as I'm in it also, but how does it help us kind of take all of our knowledge one step further? Most of us were probably in FFA in high school, and PAS is a partnered organization, kind of like the next steps once you graduate to join. Because once you graduate high school, you're most mostly an alumni in FFA at that point. So, how does PAS, or it stands for actually professional agriculture
1: students, help us take everything one step further? So, with professional agriculture students or PAS, it's more of having a, a like kind of a problem to solve rather than being like, okay, do I know what this part of a goat is? It's A farmer wants to get into goat production. What should they do? A farmer is having problems with their herd. What should they do? It's kind of a problem solving application where you use your critical thinking skills rather than just studying for a test and then competing in that test. So it's more of what does my background allow for me to know with what I'm competing in and what do I know about the industry and what am I great at that I can showcase my abilities and skills.
3: And like you just mentioned, PAS helps us build our skills up in so many different ways through competitions, but what else does PAS also offer
1: us? Besides the competition aspect, which, yes, is a fairly large aspect of PAS, there's also great ways to um, grow your skills through workshops um, at state and national conference. There are workshops that are held by our sponsors, um, like Growmark, um, Iowa Corn, Iowa State, all those um, gracious sponsors, and they will host workshops for students to um, strengthen skills that they have. So for example, um, this year at National PAS Conference, there was one hosted by FS Grow Mark for leveling up your LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great tool for students, and it's just very important to understand what that is. And there's not a lot of opportunities to learn about LinkedIn. So having workshops available for students is a great way to learn other skills outside of the classroom. Um, And then there's also ones that talk about like ag innovation or ag safety, and those are just a few that are this year. Um, but then there's also uh, Iowa Corn is here, and they have um, like a semi trailer where you can walk through and you can learn about Iowa corn and learn about Iowa agriculture and how corn um, feeds and fuels the world. Um, and since National PAS is a national organization, there are students here from Washington, Idaho, places that are very different than Iowa. So it's a great opportunity for students that may have not grown up in an area that produces corn like Iowa or the Midwest. Or even for me, I didn't grow up on a corn crop operation, but I still was able to walk through the trailer and see like, oh, okay, this is what they do with the corn. This is how it's grown. This is why it's important for the economy and for the farmers and why this matters. So
3: clearly PAS has... A multitude of opportunities and with us both being sophomores this year we've had a couple years of experience under our belts now but that also means we've seen some people kind of age out of the system and having to go into the workforce and out into the agriculture industry how have you personally seen our peers grow in their positions and be truly prepared for everything that college has
1: helped them go through for sure um so the person that got me interested in PAS is Cassie Hushick and she was a junior when I was a freshman. So she was experienced in PAS. She did many competitions and she really was able to um kind of grow as a person throughout her time at Iowa State and learn ways to incorporate what she learned into her PAS experience. Um, Cassie is currently student teaching, and she participated in um, the agriculture education program where you create a lesson that you would give to students, and it's just a great way to understand what you're going to be doing on your day-to-day life. Um, She also did um, agriculture education interview, which is quite literally a job interview, but it's a great way to practice how you should sell yourself to a potential employer and why you stick out from the rest of your competition and why you should be hired for this role. Um, And she actually did accept a job with a school district. And yes, she's a great person, but she was able to succeed in this interview because she has had experience that employers can see. She has created lesson plans and she's placed high with those lesson plans. She's had interviews and has excelled in them through PAS. Um. There was also... um, her name was Rosie. I don't remember her last name, but she was a new graduate when I joined pas. and she was very she's in agronomy right now. Uh, she works at a co-op in I believe Northwest Iowa. and she competed in crop specialists and soil specialists while her time in pas. And she actually like won the national competition for crop specialists. And now she is going out. And she's using what she's learned in the classroom and through PAS and applying those skills into her career. And PAS is a great way to help with those skills.
3: Like you mentioned, PAS has helped us grow our personal skills for the present, as well as in the future, for when we're going out into the industry and getting jobs. But from a company standpoint, why should employers and companies connect with PAS members and just attend the PAS
1: conferences in general? Companies should invest in PAS because the students are the future of the workforce. And at the Professional Agriculture Conference for National, State, and even local levels, this is where you're going to find your future employees, your future employees that go above and beyond and that know what they're talking about. They understand the job role. They have great skills that are transferable into the different realms that are in your company. Um, And it's a great organization to support because it covers all of the areas of agriculture. And it allows students to sharpen their skills and to really understand what the agriculture industry is and how they can make it a better place. Because earlier when we touched on what a case study was, these are opportunities for students to learn how to solve a problem, how to work as a team to create this answer that can be shared with a farmer, with a company, with consumers, and that's so important especially with agriculture being the number one industry in the world with a growing population where we're going to need people to do these jobs, solve these problems. And what better way to find these students than finding them at a conference that is for your area of agriculture?
3: One last question. If listeners want to learn more about PAS, where can they do that?
1: So one great way to figure out, to learn more about PAS is just Google national PAS. There is a website, I believe it's nationalpas.org. And that's the national website where they have information on what PAS is. How can you get involved? What events are there? How can you become um, a partner with them? How can you sponsor events? How can you just figure out how to be involved in PAS?
3: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Abby.
0: right it's good to get interviews from all areas of conventions conferences and suggestions coming out of our listeners if you guys have somebody we should talk to don't be afraid to reach out let us know on social media or send us an email so that way we can connect with the stories that you want to hear
2: absolutely tanner and with that should we let the people go
0: let's let them go